Welcome. Welcome to another episode of the Impact of AI, sponsored by AI Time Journal and supported by WILDA, Women Leaders in Data and Artificial Intelligence. Each week on this podcast, we explore how AI and cognitive technologies impact us daily, both professionally and personally. For those of you whom I've not met, my name is Melissa Drew, and I will be your host for this week's podcast. Today, we are absolutely excited to have Marjorie. Marjorie is from Chevron. She is currently a data science and analytics advisor in the data organization at Chevron. Now, in her previous role, she focused on growing data science and competency at Chevron, and she managed the data science strategic research portfolio, which we will definitely get into more on this podcast. Now, Marjorie's been in her career for over 30 years. She is very proficient and has a professional focus on advanced analytic capabilities. She has been instrumental in demonstrating how these technologies can be applied at Chevron, which now result in hundreds of millions of value annually. She is very active in INFORMS, the largest professional society for analytics in the world. And in recognition of her technology contribution, Marjorie was appointed a fellow in 2013. Welcome, Marjorie. Melissa, good to see you. Happy to be here. No, thank you for taking time out. I know this is uh, in the middle of your day, so greatly appreciate it. You know, one of the questions we ask everyone is, not everybody's journey is a direct path. And even though you've been with Chevron for a majority of your career, which I think is about 34 years now, you started out in systems engineering. So I would love to understand the story behind how you went from systems engineering, uh, University of Virginia, and then slowly moving into research, modeling, analytics, and then now data science and an analytics advisor. So as you noted, it, my systems engineering degree is a long time ago. Um, <laughs> and then after that, I got a master's in operations research at UC Berkeley. I moved to the West Coast and actually never looked back, but <laughs> that's a different story. Um, so, and, and operations research, I mean, I can't think of a worse name, right? Nobody ever understood what it was, right? I mean, linear programming, mixed integer programming, discrete event simulation. So it, it was a challenge. Um, and there's lots of applications in the energy industry around mm -hmm. operations research. Um, and, but, you know, to your point, I started in the IT group here um, and I was working on monitoring um, mainframes and, you know, we had a, a microwave network for our voice network. And so very um, different world in technology. Um, I, I joined um, or I, I was in a, an internal consulting group for the 16, 18 years mm -hmm. um, and I learned a lot in that about the business, all different aspects of Chevron's business, as well as, you know, I looked at it like I had a toolbox of techniques that I used to apply, you know, to solve Chevron's business challenges. Um, I started, you know, as a very junior person. Um, and by the end of that job, obviously, I was a very senior person. Um, and at that point, Chevron said, hey, there's all this buzz around analytics. Can you help us? you know, see this connection between the work that you've been doing and, and analytics. Um, and so I had a more strategic role. And then we have this whole idea around data science and what is data science and how is it related? Um, and so I was very instrumental in explaining to people at Chevron, what is data science, how we can apply it to bring value. We started hiring data scientists 
I actually agreed to manage the team for a couple of years, not too long, because that's <laughs> not my forte. <laughs> um, and then I um, have, you know, moved into a strategic research role. And now, as you said, I'm, I'm data science and analytics advisor in our data team. I, I do have a quick question for you. You had mentioned that you started modeling and analytics. And I'm, again, I'm looking at your LinkedIn page, but you used the term modeling and analytics all the way back in 2009. I'm, I'm curious if what you were doing in, in 2009, modeling and analytics, and then again, managing the modeling analytics, is that really the precursor to data science? It just wasn't called data science? Absolutely. Got yes. it. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Someone asked me the other day, how long has data science been around in, tech, in, in, in corporations? And I said, well, I remember doing something very similar back in 2004. Um, so it's really interesting to find other companies who have been doing what we now call data science, but back then it, it just wasn't coined that way. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, the team was called the math modeling team. And, and like I said, it, we had a, a toolbox, right? Linear programming, discrete event simulation, data mining, you know, machine learning techniques. You know, we added to the toolbox and our competency, um, you know, to bring value to Chevron. Mm -hmm. In looking at your role now, the data science and analytics advisor, knowing that this is now the, the popular coin of data science and analytics and AI and modeling, what exactly is your role? And it doesn't have to be specific to Chevron, but what exactly is that role entail in what you do on a day-to-day -day basis? So let me share a little bit more about the background, you know, our journey at Chevron. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it started, let's say around, I mean, we started using the term data science around 2013. And, you know, I always say you get help from the strangers of places, right? Some of the executives were reading about how you know, Formula One racers were using <laughs> data science, machine learning algorithms to, you know, to win races. And, you know, other people were, let's put it this way, there were more and more articles in the popular mm -hmm. press about this. So, um, so we, we set up a team, um, we hired a couple external people to help us. We focused on a problem at Chevron that um, we hadn't solved before, you know, but we, we wanted to solve. Um, we felt there would be a lot of value to solving it. Um, and I would say that's made all the difference in the world because we weren't competing with an existing solution and trying to explain, no, our solution is better than yours, right? It was more, hey, we can solve this problem if you use you know, machine learning techniques and you combine it with some of the first principles um, that you want, want to use. So, so that was instrumental. And we felt it important to track the value of our work so that we could demonstrate it to other people, particularly naysayers that were trying to figure out what this was and you know, was it was it a, something that was gonna stay forever or was it a passing fad? Mm -hmm. So we um, came up with ways to track the value, to quantify it. Um, and it was, you know, we had three buckets. One of them was increasing revenue you know, one of them was decreasing cost. Third one was preventing a, a, an incident. So in other words, avoiding costs. We stayed away from manpower efficiencies, mostly because they're hard to explain. They're hard to, you know, demonstrate that really what time you're freeing up from the individual is gonna, you know, how much value is that gonna add? 
So we focused on the first three. Um, we also didn't say the whole value of the work was due to the, the algorithm, the machine learning, the, the data science, right? We would sometimes say, hey, 10% of it is due to this. Um, we have a target every year that we're trying to hit. And um, we started with $5 million. And the first year we made more than that. Um, and then over the years, it's just gotten bigger as, um, as we've explored more opportunities at Chevron to apply this. Um, so we have long conversations about the value. Um, you know, how real is it? Um, how, what, what do we use it for? Um, does it change the way we build our portfolio? Um, but at this point, we're generating hundreds of millions of dollars of value from our work each year. Wow, I have so many follow-up questions. <laughs> it's funny because you were, um, what I found humorous is you were describing your value and I've, you know, I'm putting my procurement hat on. I'm like, gosh, that's exactly how we describe value in the procurement department. Um, you've got the same terminology and, and the same, um, the same areas that, that you want to focus on. So I thought that was a really interesting observation that I don't think I connected before until now. Okay. And I actually realized I didn't answer your question, what a data science and analytics advisor does. So um, <laughs> part of the journey, we focused on solving the business challenges. And, you know, as I like to tell people, the questions I was being asked changed along the way. You know, the first question was, what the heck is data science? Mm -hmm. You know, do we need to do it? Um, and then it was like, how many data scientists do we have? How many do we need? Mm -hmm. um, and then it was, um, you know, how do you know you're working on the highest value value projects? And I would say, I guarantee you we're not, <laughs> which isn't exactly the answer people wanted to hear. But mm -hmm. I said, listen, you know, we, we, we have a queue of projects, you know, at this point, right? And um, we look at each project in terms of potential value versus what we call doability. Right. And the doability is, you know, we have some data, you know, enough data, we'll say in quotes enough. Um, we have a business champion so that if we solved it, it would actually be implemented. And we have um, a fairly well-defined, you know, business problem that we're trying to solve. And, you know, from a technology standpoint, you know, we, we have pretty good confidence that we, we can solve it, you know, with the machine learning algorithm. And so we, we call that doability, right? And then, you know, we look at it as a two by two matrix, right? In terms of value versus doability, right? And we're trying to, to look at uh, the, you know, the high value that's easy to do. Um, and particularly when you have a metric that you're trying to hit every year, you're going to focus on the projects that you can do sooner. So after a couple mm -hmm. of years, I was becoming vocal and saying, you know, everyone's like, well, this is great. We're generating more value this year than last year. And, you know, you can look across the different parts of the company and more and more parts of the company were, were using this. Um, and I said, but, you know, I I'm, have great concern about the data, right? Mm -hmm. Right now it's low hanging, you know, we're, yes, absolutely we're achieving value, but it's low hanging fruit, right? It's, it's the stuff we think we can solve. It's the the problems that we think we have enough data to solve. And I said, by and large, we're not building any machine learning training sets. 
And, but more importantly, in the work that we are doing, we're applying the data that we have that we think you know is fairly clean, that the subject matter expert says, this is what's important to us. And I said, you know, the whole, one of the goals of machine learning is, or the advantages, is that you can throw a bunch of things at the model and it'll mm -hmm. tell you what's important. And if you're only throwing things that you think are important, <laughs> you could be missing something big. So as a result of this, we have done a huge reorg. And as part of the reorg, we now have a chief data officer and we have a whole group working on this um, idea that we need to be looking at data differently than we have. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's the quintessential problem that, you know, analysts spend, you know, 80% of their time finding the data, verifying that it's accurate, that it's the most recent data, and then only 20% analyzing it. And I'm just pulling those numbers out, mm -hmm. you know, I'm sure you, <laughs> you hear the same numbers, Melissa. Um, yeah. So anyway, so as part of that, Team. I am the data science and analytics advisor. I report to the chief data officer um, and I continue the whole um, portfolio, help with the portfolio to make sure that we are, um, you know, looking at the portfolio, we aren't missing any big pieces and then connecting to the data. I like to, to say, you know, historically data has been a boat anchor. It mm -hmm. slows down. Um, and we need to make it a propeller so that it enables us to bring more insights, right? To solve problems that we haven't been able to solve because we didn't have the data or solve problems that we have solved, but, you know, more robustly. I want to, I want to go back to, I, I want to definitely dive deeper into the value. We have the luxury that you've been on this journey for probably a lot longer than maybe most organizations out there. So if I go back to the, the early stages, you know, the 2009, 2015, when you guys were just trying to figure out how to prioritize, what were you thinking back then? You know, because there are other people that are listening that are just starting out with this chief data officer role or just starting out with this, you know, this data office. How do they prioritize which one they should, what's the first thing they should go for? Does, does that make sense? Yeah, 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 definitely. Okay. And and we use this two by two matrix to prioritize it, right? Okay. So we had some understanding of the value and then we would have a discussion about the doability. But of course, Melissa, mm -hmm. people were pretty quick to say, oh, my project was really high value. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right? So we had to dig deeper, you know, once they learned, hey, they're using value to, to, um, to prioritize. But I also think, I mean, you know, it, it's kind of funny because we, we've had this conversation lately. Well, what is data science? And, and, you know, initially in my career, it was, well, what is operations research? And mm -hmm. well, what do you do, Marjorie? <laughs> and we always answer it with use cases, mm -hmm. right? We always say, oh, it's, um, you know, workforce analytics to make sure we have the right people in the right jobs. It's portfolio optimization. It's, um, you know, automating how we book reserves. It's this, it's that. I mean, and we never actually say exactly what it is. So my point for people that are just starting out would be start, you know, talk about, have a couple quick wins and then 
you know, we started yeah. to have monthly success stories that we would put out. And, you know, as we went into a different business, okay, now we're helping, you know, R and our chemical business. Well, mm -hmm. you know, we would send it to the execs and the, you know, the middle managers in, in the chemical company to say, hey, these are the types of problems that we're solving in, in your part of the, of, of the value chain. And, you know, light bulbs go off sometimes, you know, I'm sure you have the same challenge. Sometimes you think it's just timing, right? It's like, I swear I said this to these, <laughs> to this group a couple months ago and they just smiled and shook their heads, but now they really get it. <laughs> yeah. So sometimes it really is just timing. You know, you mentioned, um, you gave us a pretty clear definition of examples of how value can be defined. And then you were talking about the two by two matrix and you mentioned the word doable. I would think that the input to defining doable would perhaps be solely around the data. Where can I get the data? Do I have the right data? Do I have the right coverage of the data? Is, is that a good assessment? Well, the data has a critical piece, of course. Mm -hmm. um, another part was just the champion, right? That there was somebody that cared enough, understood it enough that if we solved it, it would certainly be implemented and it wouldn't fall into the, oh, that was really cool. But, you know, um, for whatever reason, it's okay. not the person. And it could simply be the person that championed it in the meantime, moved off to a new job right mm -hmm. within Chevron but um so the champion is is definitely equally important but the data I mean you know like you said at the end of the day it a lot of it just comes down to the data so how many data scientists do you have well in our centralized team we have 60 and you know another 60 that we call you know business intelligence consultants right mm -hmm. um and then we have you know order mag well it's an interesting question, Melissa, yeah. but it always comes down to how do you define a, a data scientist? So mm -hmm. we have 60, um, and then I'd say we probably have another 20 or 30 throughout the organization. Um, but then we have quite a few um, people that have a degree, let's say they you know, graduated 10, 20 years ago um, in petroleum engineering, um, reservoir engineering, drilling, um, and they have now trained themselves on how to write Python code. And they are solving some other, you know, we call them domain data scientists, mm -hmm. right? That they um, didn't learn it in college um, because we weren't talking about data science then. Um, but now that they're out and, you know, they've worked um, for several years, um, sometimes decades, and they're understanding, hey, this is a new, um, a new technology that we can apply in conjunction with our um, domain and make better decisions. You brought up a moment ago, how, how do we define data science? And it, it just dawned on me that some companies have a data officer and a data and, a, and an analytics officer. Some companies actually combine that into one role, which means everyone underneath that is doing both the data science and then another group, maybe the one physically writing the algorithms and, and the models. It sounds like all of that's encompassed in one area. It's not really two separate groups. Is that right? So in IT now, which we, we sit, um, the, the, the chief data officer, mm -hmm. um, we have, you know, what they call a matrix organization. So um, we have 
a chapter for data science and analytics, and that's where the, you know, it's 120, it's half data scientists, half business intelligence consultants. Um, and then we have what we call platforms for the different parts of the business, like a finance platform, you know, health, safety, and environmental platform. And that's where we pull together the, you know, we have the, the data and the analytics um, capabilities. Um, but then, you know, we're always looking at data and insights and, you know, the data has to be analyzed, right? To get the value out of the data. Um, so I, I hope I answered your question. Yeah, yeah, no, I actually, I was thinking about something else you just said, where back in 2009, 2015, you were talking about value. But then early in the conversation, you mentioned that you're still having those conversations around value. Has the conversation changed? Yes. Okay. I'm <laughs> curious. Now you've got me. How? Um, and let me just finish that. So the other, I mean, we also have data engineers that help us quite a bit with yeah. getting the data needed for the data scientists. So the conversation has changed. Yes. I mean, initially we used it to justify our existence in, in you know, in no using that term. Um, and then, um, and we were very clear, you know, suddenly at one point we realized we're spending too much time tracking the value. So we're like, you know what, what we're gonna do now is have the recipients of this actually sign off on the value, right? Mm -hmm. So they might say, hey, it's worth this much because they wanted to prioritize it. But once it's solved and in production for a certain period of time, then we, you know, we have an email exchange with the person and say, did it, you know, let's talk about the value that's been derived and <clears throat> we have them sign off on it. So that helps us with the credibility, right? Mm -hmm. That it's not just, oh, you guys are inflating your value or overestimating what you bring into the table. So we say, no, it's all signed off on by the business, you know, the part of Chevron that's actually reaping the benefits. Mm -hmm. um, and so that has kind of changed, right? It was, you know, we, we were tracking it and then the business is, is weighing in on it. Um, the two pieces that have come up more recently are, well, you know, are we doing different sorts of projects because we have this target? In other words. Oh, that's a good question. Right. Should we, are we leaving the home runs, the big, big high value projects on the table because they take multiple years and we won't see the value. We have to focus on getting value sooner rather than later. And then the other piece is, you know, like most companies these days, we're going through a digital transformation. Mm -hmm. And now the question is, well, should it be digital value instead of data science value? You know, to date, right, data science, we, we consider one piece of the digital value. And then there's people, Melissa, that say, you know, we're spending too much time on this. Um, you know, we, if we prioritize our work appropriately at the beginning, right, you know, we have workshops and we decide these are the high value, this is the high value work, right, then that should be enough, right, you go do that work and then that's that. Um, and then, you know, like I said, that the question would be, you know, how does it fit in with the digital and should we be tracking digital value and how do you define digital versus data science? And it just seems a little bit more challenging 
um, for, for, to define it digital as opposed right. to So those when, are the conversations. Yeah, when you were describing this, I had this vision of like a roadmap, you know, short-term projects that in right. parallel, long-term right. projects, because no matter what, you still want to have value. But yeah, you've got a good point. You don't want to miss out on those other projects that may have higher dollar value, but take a little bit longer to get to. Right, exactly. Which is why when people said to me, how do you know you're working on the highest value projects? I was like, well, I know I'm not because first, I, I couldn't tell you we have all the right data to solve those problems. That's a good point, yeah. <laughs> right? And then secondly, um, you know, with a target, it, it does bias us somewhat. But on the other, the flip side of that is we're way more mature than we mm -hmm. used to be. We have a lot more people working on this. And that when you do look at our portfolio, we certainly have multi-year projects. Um, but, you know, I still rattles around in the back of my mind, you know, are there other opportunities that, you know, that we have blinders on because of the target or because, of, you know, we're just looking at it based on how we define value. Do you find that because the, the value conversation is so prevalent in the discussion that maybe certain areas of the company just haven't been looked at yet that maybe should be? Um, I'm not so much worried about that okay. these days because, yeah. and certainly we were in the journey, uh, but then we started to report the value, you know, by business unit or by function. Mm -hmm. And then we say, hey, there's an opportunity over here that we're, you know, and then we start the conversation with them. So I'm not so much worried about, about that, right, these days. Right. You talked about use cases before. Do you have, do you have any use cases that, over the course of your experience, you found, wow, I'm, I'm so glad and so proud that I was able to work on that because we were able to do X versus, you know, 20 years ago, we wouldn't have been able to, to drive that kind of value and business outcome. Well, it's funny that you say that, Melissa, because, you know, when you have a longer career, you go, wow, you know, this problem was, I remember that meeting where I was in 20 years ago. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. And we couldn't solve it. Right. Yeah. And we can now, right. Or at least we think we can. So mm -hmm. um, I think the answer to your question is actually use cases we're working on now, right. Um, particularly around lowering our carbon footprint mm. and, you know, um, new energies and um, applying these techniques to, to that world, um, we're all very excited about those, those opportunities. Um, but then, I mean, in terms of work that we've done, I mean, you know, I, I did a fair amount of work in the workforce analytics to make sure we had the right people in the right places. Um, I think, you know, it's not so much, you know, growing the team has been incredibly rewarding. Um, I had, you know, I mentioned I was on this other team called the math modeling team. And mm -hmm. I learned a lot from, I had a, a, there was a female manager. She had a PhD in electrical engineering, great role model. I learned a lot from her, um, the things that she did right, as well as the things she did wrong for mm -hmm. had opportunities to improve, let's say that. Um, and I applied both in recreating, you know, this, or, or in creating the, the data science capability at Chevron, right? I mean, for example, she was very um, selective in who could be on the team. You know, you had to have a certain degree um, from a handful of universities. 
And, you know, my approach was we have a lot of smart people here. You know, let's, if they're interested, let's have them try it out and see how, how well they do. Um, we have a number of internal training programs that we use to determine, you know, who, who's better at these skills. And then the other thing is, you know, so it doesn't scale when you say you have to, when you have a very exclusive um, group. Um, and then she didn't necessarily set herself up for succession planning, right? So when she retired, things fell apart temporarily. So, so I learned a lot. I mean, you know, like I said, she did a lot of things right. Um, but just, you know, with some of these other things, it's like, oh, okay. And the other thing, I mean, one thing she did right was just, you know, the culture, the, the group was just phenomenal. We, you know, we love bouncing ideas off of each other. You know, it was like no rank in the room. It didn't matter what, you know, what grade level you were, we were all equals. And, you know, we recreated that in, in the, the data science community at Chevron. It's, mm -hmm. it's a really fun place to work. I think you've put a very different spin on the data science role, you know, compared to maybe what people perceived. Um, I am so fortunate that that you came and to talk to me because up till now, the folks that, that we typically talk to, they've only been in this role for maybe four years, you okay. know, not very long. And I think we're finding that it's that rare nugget from someone who's been doing this for quite some time, you know, before it was, you know, coined data science or AI or anything like that. But technically that's what you've been doing for, for quite some time. And on top of that, let's double that down with you staying with the same company during this time frame and have this truly unique experience. And, and I think very unique insights into how that's been able to evolve and grow and shape and continue to improve over and over again. Well, I feel excited, I mean, because, I mean, you think about my career and I started in a field that nobody really understood and I was monitoring, um, you know, mainframes and microwave towers. And, and now, I mean, it's just, I just feel so incredibly fortunate um, to look back over my career and to see how much technology has changed, how much data is available now. You know, the terminology has changed, people understand you know, what, what we do and how we can add value. So it's, it's just been incredibly rewarding. I feel very fortunate. As we wrap up our conversation today, do you have any insights or lessons learned that you'd like to pass on to someone else? Well, I think the key is having some quick wins, right? If, if you're still mm -hmm. at the beginning of the journey, you know, have some quick wins um, that you can explain to other people. Um, you know, work on communicating to people that what you've done and, and how you did it. Um, one of the things I, I've shared with people recently is you have to bring a lot of people along the journey. Um, some people you quickly realize um, aren't going to get it um, very quickly. You know, so I, I, I say I looked for several years, I looked at people in terms of three different groups. The ones that get it right away, and that's great. Then we can start to dive into new applications, right? The ones that then the other two buckets, they don't understand what I'm talking about. And some of them are influential and I need to spend the time with them to bring them along. But mm -hmm. there's other people, you know, like, I don't know that, that it matters right now. I'm not gonna focus my time on that. So just be careful about how you spend your time in terms of 
bringing people along to understand what data science machine learning is and, and how we can add value. No, that's, that's actually really good. I thank you for, for the, that insights. Well, we are at the end of our time today. I, again, thank you so much for, for coming to talk to me in the middle of the day. I love it, I love it. Um, definitely, I think we should probably follow up in a year from now and see what you're doing and uh, any new things that have popped up along the way. That would be great. Thanks, Melissa. Sure. I really enjoyed talking to you today. Yep. Thanks.